Let's just take our seats, shall we? I hope you're encouraged. God is, um, God is speaking to us. God's encouraging us. God knows it's a new year for us. It's not a new year for him. He just carries on working, doesn't he? But God knows it's a new year for us. And we're sort of like more, perhaps, open to, uh, to new things or to a new perspective or to looking at things. But God wants to continue his work through us. How many people have finished off the chocolates? How many people have still got those toffee pennies left? Yeah, they get stuck in your teeth, don't they? How many people have noticed that in the box of the chocolates these days, there's less and less nuts? Nuts are expensive, aren't they? So they put other stuff in, you know, orange creams. Who doesn't like orange creams? Not stand orange creams, they're horrible. Revels. You used to get revels in a selection pack. Do they make revels any longer? Not seen revels for ages, but orange creams. You used to, used to think that they were Maltesers. You put them in and they were rotten orange cream. And but Anyway, there you go. But anyway, but God is speaking to us. And God's been speaking to us through, over the Christmas period, we've been, we've been looking at that season. We've been looking at the theme of journey and how the story of that first Christmas was made up of many individual, but also corporate journeys as well. We looked at people living under the regimes of Herod and Augustus and what that meant and what that journey was like. We looked at the group of shepherds and their journey to, to see, to encounter Jesus. We looked at Mary and Joseph as a couple, but also as individuals journeying, carrying uh, Jesus. And we looked at the journey Jesus made himself. What was that for? Quite remarkable that it was more for a declaration to the powers and the authorities rather than anybody else, even though it was for us as well. And then we looked at the wise men. And uh, I think today is clusters, if you were an Anglican, epiphany. Is it? Something like that. And um, that's all about the wise men and how they encountered Jesus. But last Sunday, who was here last Sunday? We heard some incredible testimonies of how God had journeyed with us through the last year and maybe a bit longer than that. Some people talked about their baptism, which was a long time ago. Thanks, Greg, because that was a great testimony. But um, we've now begun our journey in this year, 2024. Let me ask you, how's it going so far? Most of you have gone back to work, haven't you? So it's like, oh, you know. But um, this morning... We're beginning to look at our, our new theme and the songs that we've been singing, the words that have been coming from God already. Massive encouragement to, to Dan and me as we, you know, we sit in our office and we, we talk and we think and we pray and we write things up on the board and lots of things get written on the board. And then it sort of like filters out and we both think, yes, that one, that one's God. And uh, we really want to begin this new year talking about st- The word stand firm, stand firm. I think it's a real prophetic word to us as a church, but us as individuals as well this year. Standing firm is what it's all about in the faith. Standing firm. Ephesians is a great book. It's an amazing book. 
And I'd like to read a, a little passage that's like a, it's not my main passage this morning. I just want to preface it uh, with this. And Paul writes this as he's writing from his prison cell. I'm going to be looking at Ephesians 6 in a bit. But Ephesians 2 prefaces this by saying this, verse 4. But God, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy has made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith This is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that none of us can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. As Paul's writing this, he's he's wanting us to know how God sees us and for what reason God sees us. For what reason has he blessed us in the, in the heavenly realms? What has he got for us to do? And last Sunday, as we heard all those amazing testimonies, genuine, brilliant healings and stories and incredible provision, I felt prompted uh, right at the end to read from Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19, where it says this, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And it's really key that we perceive the new thing that God wants to do in each and every one of us as individuals and also in our gathering together. There's always a new thing that God is doing. We read through scripture, don't we? God doesn't like doing the same thing over and over again. You know, Moses struck the rock, but he struck it one too many times, and that was disobedient to God. God wants to do a new thing. It's always struck me that um, God's a creative God. He is the great creator. It's in his character. And my question um, to ministers older than me uh, when I was a young lad was, is God still creating? Is God still creating? It's in, it's in his character. He is the creator. So, has he finished? Has he sat down? Well, that's not scripture. He never never rests, he never slumbers, he never sleeps. Is God still creating? And, uh, you know, all the minister said to me, well, he's gone to, he's gone to prepare a place for you. He, he's creating a place in heaven. And I believe that. But scientists tell us that the universe is forever expanding. And growing bigger. And I don't know. I've got, I've got a telescope bigger. I've got a brain big enough for all that. But if it is, is that not God? Still at work. Still creating. The great thing about it is, he might be still at work out there, millions and millions of light years away, but he's still at work here, in you, in me. He's still at work in his church. This is where his heart is. And whether you've had a bad year, 
last year, whether you've had a good year, there's nothing we can do about that either way. You can't change the past, but you can change the future. You can do something about your days to come. You can make a decision, even today, that affects how you live in the future. There's a story of two boys, two brothers, one quite a nice lad, one not a nice lad at all. And one day they were arguing about how wise their dad was. He's very wise, said the the younger brother. We should listen to him and we should always do what dad says because he's wise. The second brother, the older one, he disagreed. Dad's not as wise as what you think, he said to the younger brother. I'm just as smart. I'll prove it to you. So the next day, this older brother went to the woods and he caught a small bird, perhaps a wren or something like that. And he brought it home and said to his brother, let's go and find dad. I'll show you how wise he is. I'll show that he isn't that wise. So the two of them found their dad in the shed at the bottom of the garden. And the brother who had the little bird cupped in his hands, closed his hands together. And he said, Dad, I've got a question for you. He said, I've got a small bird in my hands. Is it dead or is it alive? The boy was confident that his dad wouldn't answer correctly because if his dad said, well, the bird was dead, then he'd open his hands and the bird would fly out. But if his dad said the bird was alive, He'd squeeze his hands and he'd wring the life out of the bird. And he'd open his hands and prove that his dad wasn't as wise. So the, the older brother asked his dad that question. Dad, is this bird alive or dead? And the boy's father considered the question for a moment. And then he said, my son, the answer's in your hands. Very wise answer. Sometimes we can come to God at the beginning of a new year with lots of questions that really are impossible for us to answer. And God scratches his head sometimes when we ask these questions. We, we say, God, what should I do with the rest of my life? Who should I marry? What job should I do? Where should I live? What does the future hold for me? We expect God to arrange our lives for us and make everything work out just right. After all, he's all powerful. He's all knowing. It's what God's for, isn't it? But the answer is no. Because in his wisdom, God's created us with a free will. In effect, he says to us, my daughter, my son, the answer's in your hands. You choose how you live your life. And while God does know the future and most certainly has the power to determine it, he's graciously given us control over our own lives. He's given us the ability to choose, to decide what we will do, how we will live, whom we will serve. It's an awesome responsibility. The famous author C.S. Lewis said this, he chose not to be a cosmic puppeteer simply pulling the strings of our lives and making us into the people who would automatically serve him and love him. Instead, he gave us the ability to decide for ourselves whether to love him or not. 
and whether to serve him or not. He wants us to have eternal life, but the answer is in our hands. Someone else said, free will is like fire. It's a fantastic gift with dangerous potential. I got a log burner for Christmas. Well, a bit before Christmas, actually. And um, Lisa's gone off it already. Because I sit in the back room with the log fire burning, because I'd sooner watch the log fire burn than television, to be honest. And um, she goes into the front room and watches whatever's on the telly. And she says, it's coming between us, this log burner. I said, well, come in the back then and stay warm and cosy. It's far better. Television has been rubbish over, over this Christmas, hasn't it? I can't remember a single film. It's been rubbish, absolutely rubbish. Um, has James Bond been on this Christmas? You know, interestingly, James Bond likes his martinis shaken and not stirred, doesn't he? But the Christian James Bond likes his faith stirred and not shaken. And that's what we've got to be this year. You know, the writer to the Proverbs says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. He's getting a grasp of what this free will is all about. In all your ways, submit to him, he says, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And then he goes on to say, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I'd love some new wine this year. You can say amen. It is a Pentecostal church. It's not back in the 70s where you're not allowed to have a little bit of wine or anything like that. I want some new wine. I really want some new wine. I want God to do a, a new thing in me and through me. I'd love God to do a new thing in you and through you. I'd love us to come together on a Sunday. And while we're gathering together, come up to, to us and say, God's done this this week. You know, it was amazing hearing some of the testimonies last week. We didn't know half of them. I didn't know, I didn't know God had answered prayer in your life or anything like that. Please, it really encourages us as pastors. And maybe you're not coming out because you don't want, to, don't want to share at the front. Well, we understand that. We understand that. But sometimes it's good to share because it's really encouraging for Christian brothers and sisters who are struggling perhaps in, in other ways. And 2024 will be a year where we choose to journey or not to journey with God. We choose to serve him or not serve him. We choose to apply his word or go by our own understanding. And this is the journey that all humanity has to face. 2023 has been a pretty terrible year in terms of war. All around the world there's been war. Probably about 12 separate wars going on. We know about Ukraine because that's on our television all the time. We know about Israel and Gaza because that's on our television all, all the time. But 
There's war in Armenia, in Azerbaijan, in Yemen, in Ethiopia, in Congo, in Haiti, in Pakistan, in Taiwan. There's all sorts of wars going on. Most people that have died are under the age of 20. That's terrible. Young lives slaughtered. Some have been very highly trained and they've lost their lives. Some haven't been trained at all and have done nothing about getting equipped. And it's tragic. That's 2023. We'll remember that uh, for history, a, a year of war. But what about the war that you and I are in? For our hearts, for our minds, for our souls, it's our responsibility to train ourselves up. It's our responsibility to be equipped to submit to God. How will we do it? How will we do it in this new year? It says in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Jesus came into the world as a declaration to the powers and the authorities. We have been equipped with gifts of, of the Spirit that have divine power to demolish strongholds. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, says 1 Corinthians. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not in vain, sometimes hard, sometimes difficult. Sometimes you think, why am I doing this? Why am I teaching in the Sunday school when sometimes the kids just don't seem to listen? Why, why am I turning up at youth groups sometimes when the young people don't seem to want, want to listen? Why am I doing it? Because you're doing it for the Lord. Why am I doing a job that nobody sees? Because you're doing it for the Lord. And the Lord sees that. Stand firm. Stand firm in your service of the Lord. Stand firm in your submission to the Lord because the Lord sees everything. As your pastors, we want to challenge you to get yourself trained, to equip you. We, we're here to, to help you, but not totally. You've got to equip yourself. You've got to train yourself up, uh, as well because this year, believe it or not, you and I are going to war. Living in this world is living in this war. And perhaps in our country, we've been a little bit protected because of our, our history, being a, a, a strong Christian country. And that's slowly been eroded and eroded and eroded. And if that's been eroded, we're not just to throw our hands up in the air and say, oh, it's terrible, this country is going to the dogs. We're supposed to say, well, I better get myself more trained up. I better get myself more equipped I better get myself more equipped to share this gospel of God news. Good news. Oh, God news. We need to listen to our commanding officer, Jesus, because he knows our enemy and he's got the right strategy. You know, we need to respect our enemy, be aware of what he's up to, be aware of those wicked schemes, but look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He's the commander of our army. This world is being shaken. I mean, literally being shaken. Japan, Nepal, Iceland, 
India, all these places. It seems like there's an earthquake every other week on the news. But this world is being shaken in many other ways other than the tectonic plates. Hebrews 12, 28 says this, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for, for our God is a consuming fire. Our faith in God, this kingdom that we are part of, is unshakable. Unshakable. Scripture tells us that we are not of the world. In John 17, when Jesus is praying for us, he's praying, Father, these people belong to our kingdom, to your kingdom. This is an unshakable kingdom, a spiritual kingdom that cannot be taken from us. The writer to the Hebrews wants us to understand that our confidence must be in God and him alone. We've just sang that. Jesus is our confidence. This kingdom that you and I belong to is unbeatable. It's immovable. It's unstoppable. It's unconquerable. It's unshakable. And it's been given to every single one of us. No matter how weak we might feel sometimes, no matter how insecure we are, we stand immovable if we stand on Jesus. So, turn to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 talks about the day of evil. And it talks about when the day of evil comes, we're able to stand our ground. Well, in the midst of all the global and all the social upheavals that are going on at this minute, the economic uncertainties and our own personal circumstances, the question for us is, how do we live in this unshakable kingdom? How do we live protected from all the things that the devil wants to throw at us? Because we have got an enemy who's out to steal, to kill, and destroy. And the last chapter of Ephesians gives us a powerful picture of a believer in battle, clothed in armor. And Ephesians 6, verse 13 says this, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And he goes on to describe all the items of armor. And we might look at that in, in future weeks. But how many sermons have you heard about the word therefore? We hear it many times, don't we? Preachers always stop and say, therefore means. And we need to look at this because this particular passage begins with therefore. What does therefore mean? Therefore means for this reason, for that reason, because of this, do this. So just before Paul wrote that particular passage you just, we've just read, he writes this in verse 10. Finally, be strong. In the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I guarantee 
this year, 2024, someone will get on your wires. Might be someone in here. Might be me. <laughs> someone will really bug you. And you'll be faced with a choice. How you react. And how we react is very often a real test of our character. You see, we, we act in God, don't we? We do good acts, and we know that that's a Christian thing to do. But sometimes how we react really shows what God's going on in our life. You know, what we've got going on, what other things we're running. And we need to need, be better at how we react as Christians, because that is true, true godliness. Therefore, when the day of evil comes, says Paul, you may, able to, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Maybe it's true for all of us here that we can recall a day of evil in our lives, something that we never want to go through again, something that we, d we even struggle to recall. Maybe each and every one of us, if you've not had a day of evil, then get ready. It's what the devil does. It's the devil's evil schemes. We need to realize it's not the people in our lives that are going to bug us and, and bring that day of evil. It's the powers behind it. It's the rulers. It's the authorities in the heavenly realms. And Jesus has given us the spiritual gifts to it that equip us to cope with them. In our fa family, me and Lisa, yeah, we've had a, um, half a year of evil. And if there's one thing that we've realized all the way through it is that sometimes even just hanging on to God is all you can do. Hanging on to God. But hanging on to God is a good thing. Is a good thing. We are children of God. We have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So even if you're hanging on to God, God is the rock. God's not going to move. He's immovable. God showed us that when the day of evil came, when the very worst thing that the devil could throw at us or hurl at us, it was real. It was painful. It was an awful experience. But in the deepest, deepest part of us as a couple, we're untouchable. God's got us. God's got us. We are safe. We are protected. We might walk with a limp afterwards, but we are protected. Therefore, Paul says, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, we can live protected. Paul goes on to paint a picture of what a protected life looks like. And he's, he's chained up to soldiers who are wearing armor. So he's using them as a, as a visual prompter. He's describing the armor that the soldiers would wear day in, day out. There's a helmet of salvation. There's a breastplate of righteousness. Feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel. Shield of faith and sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This year, we will face our own personal battles. Those battles will come. But when they do come, we have a choice. We have a choice to act out of our own limited understanding, 
or to act according to the Spirit of God, applying his wisdom and his strategies. So getting prepared, getting equipped, getting trained up is really what we need to be doing. I'm protected when I understand that as a child of God, I've received the kingdom that cannot be shaken. And if everything else is lost, I still have Jesus and he is enough. That is a helmet of salvation. That is the helmet of salvation. I'm protected when I understand that I am not striving in my own self-effort. But I'm clothed in Christ. And I stand before God clean, forgiven, accepted, and loved. That's the breastplate of righteousness. I live protected when I understand that I have purpose on this earth. That my feet are fitted with the gospel of good news for this hurting and dying world. My life has eternal purpose. And I can affect the eternal position and purpose of others. My feet are fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. I need to go. I need to bring that gospel of peace to other people. I live protected when I hold on to faith that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he will do. The devil is a liar, but God is true and God's word endures forever. That's my shield of faith. I'm protected with the word of God that is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's a weapon that I might choose to battle with, cutting through the attacking lies of the devil. This sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Paul goes on to say in his letter to the Romans, chapter 8, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I know that I'm protected when the day of evil comes. I can stand because I know who I am. I know who I am. And if I lose everything, I still have Jesus and his kingdom. And that is enough. We sing that great song with that really annoying little chorus, don't we, in it? Rob loves it. I, know, I am who I say I am because the I am says it who I am. And we all sound like Daleks when we, when we say it. Who likes that song? Yeah, half a dozen people. There you go, Rob. <laughs> but you know what? It really isn't about whether we like that song or not. It's about what that song's actually saying. We are who we, who, who we are because he says who we are. And it might annoy us, but it's a little bit like, you know, the devil's a mosquito sometimes and he puts stuff in our ear. But God wants to put annoying stuff in our ear sometimes. And annoying stuff, that annoying stuff, is actually good stuff. So carry on singing it, Rob, all right. But only a few times, not as often. (laughs) This week, it might be helpful for you to take a little time, just with yourself or 
perhaps someone close to you, someone who you can trust, and do a little bit of an armor check. See if you've got any dents, any gaps in your armor. See if you're missing any, any pieces. Am I wearing the helmet of salvation? Have I said yes to Jesus? Have I totally submitted my life to him? Do I know that I am his and he is mine? How's my breastplate of righteousness? Am I winging my way through, through this world with my own self-effort, trying to be good or trying to be at least better than our neighbor or something like that? Or am I really leaning into the love of God? Am I really experiencing the love of God? What's on my feet? Where am I going? Or where are my feet pointing to? Am I living for myself? Or am I giving myself away to others? Are there holes in my shield of faith? In the midst of disappointments and setbacks, do I still believe that God is good? And God desires my good. And do I have the sword of the Spirit in my hand? Am I letting God find my real reality through his word? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to me? Am I winning the battle for my mind and for my heart and holding on to this truth? Or am I letting the, ro- the devil rob me blind every which way? We don't know what this season will bring and there are dark days ahead and uncertainty ahead we know that but we do know that when the day of evil comes we can be equipped we can be empowered by God to be able to stand our ground and after we have done everything to stand I'm going to invite the band back up somebody gave me this lovely little devotional book for Christmas. And I've started reading it on March the 17th. (laughs) Uh, I didn't really like January the 1st, but anyway. This is what March the 17th says this. Nothing in all creation can separate you from my love. Pause and ponder what an astonishing promise this is. You live in a world where separations sadly abound. Husbands and wives, children from parents, friends from friends, childhood dreams from adult realities. But there's one terrible separation you will never have to face. Isolation from my loving presence. If I want you, sorry, I want you to cling to me with tenacious confidence. This gives you strength to cope with the uncertainties of living in such a broken, unstable world. Anxious thoughts can assault your mind and fill you with fear if you forget that my love will never fail you. When you find yourself feeling afraid, grasp my hand in childlike trust. Rest in the protection of my presence. And remember, that perfect love drives out fear. Zai, do you want to come up? goes on to say this. The greatest wealth 
on earth is minuscule compared with the riches of my boundless love. Yet this is my free gift to all who follow me. How priceless is my unfailing love.